0: Good evening. You know, it's amazing that we've been here in this building for 38 years. That's amazing, isn't it? Oh, wow. Susan and I, along with our, our oldest now, we're here, to be honest with you, a year before that, just laying a foundation, you know. Uh, and everything, so we could really say we're in here 39 years, right? She corrects me sometimes, i was making sure that's right, right? Okay. Um, and uh, this is an awesome day. Glad to have my mom back up here with us. Yeah. And a lot of y'all. <clears throat> Many of y'all know, you know, we've been praying for her, and uh, she had some issues about her kidney and all that, and God just really worked a miracle and all that whole situation. And you can talk to her about that, I'm sure, a little bit later. And uh, let's see. I got a bag somewhere. Let me go grab that. Okay. Well, let's see. What I want to talk about today is a magnificent, Obsession, and uh, before we talk about the magnificent part, let me just kind of define what an obsession is. And an, obs- an obsession is having a total passion with something to the point that nothing else matters. You ever been obsessed with something? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that fishing? Oh, I'm just teasing <laughs> you, brother. You can be obsessed with what? Anything. Anything. To the point that nothing else really matters, right? Anyhow, it's the pursuit of an idea, purpose, a goal that takes precedence over everything else. And we've all been obsessed with something at different times of our life. And they may come and they may go, you know. Um, there are some people who suffer from what is called obsessive compulsive disorder, you know. Um, and it, it, the the name says it's, it's disorder. You know, it's not the way it should be, you know. And this uh, obsessive compulsive disorder is really a, a mental thing, a mental illness, you know, in which a person's... Uh, Experience, experiences of this uh, reoccurring, you know, disturbing thoughts and feelings, you know, compelling them to do certain things or behaviors again and again and again and again, consuming large, uh, you know, amounts of your time, causing anxiety usually goes along with it, distress, interfering with your ability to, you know, uh, function at work, function at school, function in your family, function in social activities, this obsessive-compulsive disorder. So, just wanted to kind of lay what obsessive means, and now I'd like to, you know, talk just a wee bit about a magnificent obsession. And a magnificent obsession is not a disorder. It's according to God's order, to be honest with you. It brings divine order into our lives. So it goes beyond your common day-to-day uh, obsession. You know, this magnificence really has the idea, the purpose, the ambition of something that is great, something that is beautiful, something that is worthwhile, <laughs> a magnificent obsessions is what I'm talking about. So let me uh, start with the uh, book of Psalms, chapter 81, uh, 84, verse 1. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place? How lovely is your dwelling place? Where you live, where you hang out, you know? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, half-mighty, some people think he's half-mighty or no-mighty. Truth of it is, he's what? Almighty. He's almighty, the most high. He genuinely is, and he reveals that to the men, the women, the boys and girls who take the time to look. But it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. And it says, I long, yes, I, I faint with longing to enter uh, the, the courts, or the courtyard of the Lord. It says, I long, which means I, I hunger, I thirst. You ever been really thirsty? I mean, not just uh, a bottle of water thirsty. You ever been thirstier than, you know, one bottle ain't going to get you? You know, I mean, I'm talking about, I have been a little thirsty here tonight. It's like, you know, I just got, whoops. Whew. All right. I mean, you know that you know that's really there. You know how much water you're supposed to drink a day. Supposed to weigh yourself. If you weigh a hundred pounds, you're supposed to drink half of that. That would be fifty in ounces. That you would be properly hydrated. Okay, and that's just on a physical. But what about that spiritual thirst, that spiritual hunger? So it tells us. Here it says, in verse 2, it says, I long, I hunger, I thirst. There's another word that's part of this definition. I ache, I crave, I yearn, I desire, I covet, if you would. I want, I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. I mean, everything about me, I just want more and more and more of God in my life. That's what I'm talking about. And where it says I faint, this word faint means willing to expire. Willing to expire. Come to the end of all human activity in order to find God. Willing to die in order to find God real in my life. That's what he's talking about here about fainting. You know, I'm willing just to give it all up because I got such a craving and a hunger and a thirst and a passion for more of God. I'm talking about a magnificent obsession. Just can't get enough of God in my life. Let me read uh, this uh, verse 2 here out of the Amplified Bible, and it says, My soul yearns, yes, even pines, and is homesick for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. we're talking about last week if you missed that you want to uh, and they're all free anyhow you pick them up uh, on the uh, desk back there the service we were talking about you know singing yourself into victory and i'm going to tell you something when you become magnificently obsessed with god praise and and singing will just burst out of us you know it almost catches off guard you know we're in a public place and we started singing you know or something or another your wife might go Honey, hush, you know, or something like that. Or she might join you. That'd even be better, would it not? You know. So anyhow, think about it for a moment. What's your obsession? Honestly, you think of, what are you obsessed with? Oh, another way of saying it is what are you passionate about? I have found, if, if we can find men and women who serve God serving the local church and they do it with passion it's, it's just like it's, it's a win-win-win situation you know people who find a job a career that they're passionate about they go like I get to do this and get paid too you know it's like when you're serving in your passion it's awesome it's wonderful it's fantastic you know so I'm asking you the question you know what's Sure. Obsession, uh, obsession, you know. It says here, we see this echoed throughout the Psalms and even in the New Testament, we hear this, with my whole being, body and soul, I want God more than anything else in my life. And I will shout joyfully to the living God the men, the women, the boys and girls who are magnificently, you know, obsessed with God. They'll whistle, they'll sing, they'll shout, you know, they'll praise because they just want more God in their life. In Psalms 42, it says, verse 1, it says, as the deer pants, and and think about it, as the deer pants for streams of water, now, why would a deer be panting for streams of water thirsty up on the mountain ridges is running from other things you know uh, I had a situation in my life when I was a teenager and I was down in a place called Chester South Carolina and I was out in the uh, edge of the woods and and I heard these dogs constantly barking 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 so I, I, I walked down this stream And lo and behold, there is a massive deer, a buck, out in the middle of a creek. It's probably about five foot deep in the middle. He was out there, you know, where just about his head was sticking up. He was probably kind of haunched down a little bit. And there was a dog on either side of the creek. And the dog would come down, snarling, growling. It looked like he had been chasing him for a long time. They came down the bank. And I watched this. And the, the deer picked the dog up with his antlers, and threw him back up on the bank, you know. And then the other one tried to come, and he did the same thing there, you know. So I think the water is not only to get a drink. I, find, I think, at least was what I saw with well, my own eyes, is the deer found some protection in the water because his legs is longer than the dog, So the dog had to swim out to him as he was able to hold his ground. Anyhow, it says, as the deer... Pants for streams of water. So I long for you, oh God. I long for you. The same way that deer has been pursued all day. is looking for the protection of the water. Looking to quench his, his thirst. I'm like that for you, God. I just can't get enough. I'm thirsty for you. And you know what? When you genuinely want to get thirsty, are you interested in anything else? No. When you're really, really thirsty and you've gone a few hours, and there's no water to be had anywhere, no matter what you're doing, you're distracted. It's like, I gotta get something to drink. I've got to get something to drink. Now, that is a magnificent obsession when we just got to get more of God, and you can have as much of God as you want. I don't know if you know that or not, but you genuinely can. So why don't we try, I think I have that that song up on the screen there, or it should be shortly, But it goes like this. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Y'all can sing louder. I know you can. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. You alone are my strength and shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship thee. <coughs> Can you say that? You are my heart's desire? You ain't nothing I really want more than I want more of you. If you ever had a little taste of God, really genuinely got to hang out with God, really got to spend a little bit of time with him, a little bit ain't going to do you. You just want more, and you want more, and you want more. Psalms 42, verse 1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Verse 2 says... I thirst for God. I thirst for God. And ain't nothing, when you're thirsty, nothing's going to satisfy you until you quench that thirst. And he says, I thirst for God, the living God. And as I said before, if, if you weigh 100 pounds, you got to drink half of that number in ounces of water to stay properly hydrated. And people end up in the hospital. Infants as well as every other age of people and they don't know it they go to the hospital because they're dehydrated and you know what they got to do to fix your problem usually because you wouldn't take it in your mouth they got to stick a needle in your arm and pump it in that way i'd rather drink it myself you know stay hydrated you got to stay hydrated you have to stay hydrated Or things don't function properly. Your blood gets thick. All kinds of crazy things happen when you get dehydrated. We got to stay hydrated. But I'm talking about something that's better than drinking a liquid or water. I'm talking about just getting as much of God as you can get in your life. He's that living water that truly satisfies us. Verse 2 says, I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? it's not like oh I don't want to stand before God why would a person not want to stand before God guilt can God handle that guilt what will he do he'll forgive you he'll forgive you give you another chance he is so awesome he just wants to forgive us he's not trying to catch us doing something bad so he can zap us or something or another no he just wants to forgive us he wants us to want to be forgiven want to, to to be clean and all. Well again, let me just ask you this question and I want you just to chew it around in your own heart and mind, but what's your obsession? What do you really honest to goodness crave? What are you thirsty for? What does your heart ache for? There's a lot of things that we can crave and many of those things you've already found out they don't satisfy. You ever experienced some of that? It's like, wow well, That would, I would never, you see kids do this all the time. I promise if I can get this for Christmas, I will never ask for anything else. You ever heard that? Is it true? Nope. Before the day is over on Christmas, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, I want, uh, you know, that's why we have so many tag sales. Things don't satisfy us. You know what I'm talking about? Dr. Bill Bright, who is with Jesus now, a phenomenal man of God, I mean a legend, he really was. Dr. Bill Bright, as a young Christian said, simply serving God was not enough. Let me me read that again. He said, simply serving God was not enough. He said, I longed to possess a heart overflowing with love and praise for God Bill Bright's magnificent obsession was God was God himself he just would pay any price whatever it took to get more of God and he was a tremendous soul winner why because God was so real to him and sometimes if we're not obsessed with God we're not so involved in leading other people to Christ maybe Uh, You know, I, I, I've told a few people about this over the years, but I was reading something when I was in Bible school and it inspired me and I was learning about this missionary who uh, he wanted more of God, kind of the same thing I'm talking about. And what he did, he was able to come up with this watch. And this watch, way years ago, would have a little uh, beep or something, a little uh, alarm on it. And he could make it go off once an hour. Now, we have those things now, you know, by the dozens, and our phone would do all kinds of stuff. But for him, that was the most valuable thing he had, and he had it set. So every hour, it would, it would beep or it would ding or something, and he had trained himself that every time his phone <clears throat> went ding, he would stop and take a moment or two and just say, Lord, I just acknowledge your presence with me now i thank you that i am not alone he would acknowledge god as he would acknowledge his dearest friend he did every hour as time progressed he didn't really need a phone anymore because he was so conscious of the presence of god by acknowledging god's presence it became so real to him Now i know when i was in bible school and i was telling susan about this i'm not sure how she was able to do it because we didn't really have a whole lot But somehow or another, she was able to save up, I reckon, through our grocery money or whatever, and she found a watch very similar to that, you know, and got me a watch that I would wear, and it would jingle something like that every hour. It was one of the most valuable things to help me to remember. And then for those who didn't have a watch, they would train themselves every time they heard a car horn, or every time they heard a door slam. Are you in a place where doors slam a lot? And they would train themselves. Every time a door slammed or a car horn tooted or whatever, they would train themselves. I just first thing I do is stop and just acknowledge that I am not alone, that God is with me, because he, he promises never to leave you or forsake you. When we feel like God's not there, who moved? Was it God? <laughs> no, we might have turned our back on him, but he surely has never turned his back <coughs> on us. That's for sure. It says in Psalms 143, verse 6, it says, I reach out for you. I reach out for you. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Interlude. Stop and think about that. I reach out for you. I reach out to you. Now, could you identify, would you say that, that passage, you can relate to it? Are you reaching out to God when you rise in the morning? Throughout the day, are you reaching out to God? Are you acknowledging, you know, his presence? He who made the heavens and the earth, and and he's big enough to handle every situation you're dealing with. Do you acknowledge his presence with you? It's life-changing. Genuinely, is. Now, you know, worship is a choice, right? It is a choice. We can choose, you know, what we're gonna worship. And, and this choice is always with us. <clears throat> and you gotta understand, we were wired to worship. Now, this whole building that we're in right now is wired to have lights and a fan. It's wired to have a lot more lights than it had when, what is it, built in 1878 or something, I think? 1873? 1873, 1873. It's on the front of the building out there. You know, I only walked by it a million times, you know. But think about it. This old building has been wired for electricity. It's been wired for Internet. It's been wired for Bluetooth now. I mean, your, your homes are wired for, for lights, I would think, for the most part, right? And uh, lots of times it's been wired for, with, uh, how much is that, the two, 220, 240, uh, 220? And that's what lots of times a clothes dryer and some stoves and things, ovens and all takes a higher voltage, but houses are wired for that. So it's a simple process once it's wired for that. I mean, if you have trucks and your trucks have been wired, all trucks aren't this way, but a lot of your trucks and vehicles have been wired to uh, tow another vehicle, to tow a camper or a trailer of, of some kind. But I'm going to tell you, every one of us here, you're wired to worship God. You genuinely were wired for that. Now, whether you worship him or not, I don't necessarily know, but I know you were wired for that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've uh, been to a rock concert where people are standing and singing and shouting and all kinds of things, and there's this great expression in these uh, secular rock concerts of worship. There's a great expression of worship in a rock concert, but worshiping the wrong object. See, we were wired to worship. The bottom line is, you will worship. It's a choice what you worship, but you will worship. You know, that's just, God wired you that for you. You you can't help it. You will worship something, you know. It's never if we worship, that's not the case, you know. It's what we worship. Um, think about it for a moment what are you obsessed with what are you reaching out to uh, where do you invest your time your energy and your resources what, what, what is always on your mind that's a good indication to help us to see what it is that we worship you see when you have this magnificent obsession with God he's on your mind a whole lot you know And it changes things, you know. Or do we have that compulsive, obsessive, what's that next word? Disorder. Disorder. Or if we are obsessed with things of little worth. Before long, it seemed like it was a thing that would satisfy me forever. But before long, it ends up in the tag sale pile, you know. ends up in the basement or in the attic somewhere. It don't satisfy. We think it would satisfy, but it just doesn't satisfy. See, we are like that unseen tug. There's some bears. We got a lot of bears in Connecticut now, and if it ain't going to be too long, they're getting this tug. They don't know really why probably yet, but there's this tug to go dig into the side of a, a hill or a bank somewhere to dig a cave. And they're kind of going. (laughs) There's this tug that God has tugged them into a hibernation. The same way the monarch butterfly is being tugged. Can you believe that from here to Connecticut to fly all the way to Mexico? To hang out and then fly back? A butterfly of all things, you know? But there's this unseen tug that's tugging at them, and there's this tug at you and me to worship God, to become obsessed with with him and and all that he is and what he has said and what he has promised. There is a tug, and we will try to satisfy that tug. You know, and they, they tell you certain kinds of birds and things like that, don't leave bird feed out for them, especially like hummingbirds and all. Don't leave certain things out for certain kinds of birds. Certain birds must follow the tug and go south. And if you don't put that particular item away, they'll hang out here too long. And then it's too cold for them to make the journey. And I wonder if we've ever found ourselves feeding on something that we was never really created to feed upon. You know what I'm saying? And it won't sustain us, and it won't satisfy us. Uh, <clears throat> It says in Psalm 63, verse 1, it says, Oh, God, you are my God. My God. This is personal here. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. I'm searching. I mean, you know, hide and seek kind of a deal. I'm searching for you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you. You know know what I mean when I'm saying thirst? (sighs) My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. My whole body longs for you. Verse 2 says, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I've gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Your unfailing love. If you've known the love of God, it's like, you know what? The worst thing that can happen to me is to die. Yippee, you know. Have I told you what I'm going to do when I get to heaven? And I'm not teasing either. I'm going to kick off my shoes and slide down them streets to go to my sock feet. You know. See, because it's real. And that's not a bad thing to go to heaven. We're just passing through until we can get there. You know. Occupying ourselves. And we should occupy ourselves with him. And what he's all about. What he's doing. That's what I'm talking about. It says in verse 2... I have seen you in your sanctuary, and I gaze upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you! You're awesome! I will honor you the early days of my life. You know, I'll honor you when I get old and can't do nothing. I'll honor you as long as I live. And then throughout all eternity, I will honor you. Almighty God, I want more and more and more this magnificent obsession, this thirst, this hunger, this craving, this ache in my soul. I want more of you. That's what he's talking about here. He says, verse 4 I will honor you as long as I live, lifting up my hands lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Now, sometimes people go out, you know, I don't, I don't go to church where they lift their hands. You might be one of those kind of people, you know. It's like, I don't go there where they lift their hands and stuff. That's just a little bit way out there. Yeah, we'll go to a ball game. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, man! And just act absolutely crazy and obsessed with that piece of, Pigskin they're throwing around on the field out there, you know. But that's not unusual, is it? That's pretty normal, isn't it? And you think, hey, hey that guy's is as excited about this game as I am. Is it okay to be excited about God? For we lift our hand? You know, that's what he's talking about here. You know, he says, uh, verse 4, I will honor you as long as I live, lifting my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. Now, help me here. What's a, what's a rich food? Lobster. Cheesecake. Now, y'all have to bring some of this, okay, next time, so I can see. I should have called up some people and let them bring some rich food and let me try them, see if I thought it was rich or not. Gluten-free, of course, you know. But he says here, and, and right now, I'm actually hungry at this moment. I really am, you know. I had a little cup of coffee, and I had uh, uh, one, uh, what do you call them little things? A bagel, yeah. Gluten-free f- bagel, you know. That's what I had this morning. I'm hungry right now. I really am. I could probably eat this pulpit up here, you know, if I was given the chance to do it. But he says here, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced God in such a way that if you was offered this fantastic, wonderful, rich meal or closer relationship with God, what would you choose? Well, we would hope that you would say God, but the reality of it is if you're hungry, you might go, I'll go for God after the meal, you know, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But listen to what he says, and he's telling the truth. You satisfy me. The psalmist says, you satisfy me more than the richest of foods. Man, if you've ever had a few moments with God like that, you you can't get enough of it. I'm just telling you. I will praise you with songs of joy. And and singing brings us into victory. That's what we talked about last week. And we looked at it biblically. And he says here in verse 6, I lie awake anybody here lie awake at night i mean even when you don't want to be lying awake he's like i just can't get to sleep he says here i lie awake thinking of you meditating on you through the night just thinking about all that you've done and who you are and what you've promised and how you have blessed us and you're there for us and for our our friends and our family, our loved ones and all. It says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think, verse 7, I think how much you've helped me. You ever think about that? Has God ever helped you much? I think. This is talking about a person who is magnificently obsessed with God. I lie awake thinking, meditate on you through the night. I think how much you have helped me. And he surely has. I sing for joy. Now, you won't have to lie awake all by yourself, ladies, if you just sing for joy loud when you're lying awake because your husband will be awake with you. (laughs) That might not be the wisest move. I'm not sure. Oh, you lie awake sometimes, don't you? Well, I snore or something sometimes. But listen to it. This is reality. I think, verse seven, I think how much you have helped me and I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. And can't you see an eagle there? When the sun is hot and this old eagle's got her wings out there and her little baby eagles are there in the shadow in the shade. And when it's raining up a storm, mama's got her her wings out there protecting them little eagles can't you visualize that's what god's doing for you i don't care if it's hot or cold or raining or snowing or what he says here verse seven i think how much you have helped me i sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings protecting me from everything i follow close behind you your strong right hand Holds me securely. This sounds a little obsessive, this passage. Psalm 63, verse 1 through 8. This sounds magnificently obsessive. This does not sound to me like a compulsive obsessive disorder. Oh, You're just thinking about God all the time. He loves me. He provides and he protects. He's crazy about me. I just love him. Is it okay to be obsessive about the one you love? I think so, you know. A.W. Tozer said, he pursues God. We pursue God because, and only because, he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to such a pursuit. The impulse to pursue God originates with God himself. But that out, but the outworking of that impulse is on following hard after him. He's put the desire there. He's wired us for that. But if we want to stay here and just walk around on the the golf course and pick through the snow and try to find something to eat, or are we going to follow the urge that God puts within those geese that pulls them up off of the ground up into the air and they begin to fly southward where it's a lot healthier and safer for them during the winter are we responding to the tug of God are we pursuing that tug that he has upon our heart and some sometimes we're hungry have have you ever eaten a meal a real good meal and with about 20 minutes you're hungry again I'm just asking does that ever happen to anybody here okay and I know you did not want to put your hands up right now I know, it was like After Thanksgiving meal, and you couldn't eat another bite within 20 minutes, you're thinking, hmm, you're looking around for something to munch on, you know? Hmm, what's that? And I'm going to tell you, sometimes we are hungry for food, and it don't satisfy us because we're trying to satisfy this hunger inside of us with a natural product, food, but we're really hungry for God, and food won't satisfy that hunger. Sometimes we're hungry and thirsty, and we just can't get satisfied, and it's really God that we're, we're hungering for, you see. Think about that. What are you obsessive about? Listen to what it says in John 4, 23. But the time is coming, and is already here, when true worshipers will worship. The true worshipers, now they're going to probably worship, you know, the welfare office, you know, the uh, they're going to worship the provider or they're going to worship the doctors who deliver tranquilizers you know uh, we're going to worship the peace or worship the healer and worship the shepherd and worship the righteousness and worship the ever present one is that what it says Jesus said but the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the father oh he is a healer he is a provider he brings us peace surely and all the things we were talking about there but you worship him in relationship you see true worshipers true worshipers that indicates there's some false worshipers is that possible true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth the word truth means in reality I'd like us to sing a song together. I'm not sure how far we'll get here tonight, but I would like to sing a song. It's a song written by uh, Matt Redmond, and uh, it's, it's talking about a heart of worship because there's sometimes people can sing a lot of songs, sing Christian songs. They're phenomenal. They're awesome, and they're amazing, but there's no true worship in it. See, you can sing songs and not be worshiping God so, we have that song we can sing? And maybe project the words up there if we can. Or oh, I think it should be on the video, right? And uh, you can join along and sing if you would like to.
1: When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. i Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required, you search much deeper within. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for that.
0: When you are magnificently obsessed with God, little old song will be awesome to Him. No matter how crude it is, you believe that? I remember reading many, many, many years ago. I believe it was a little boy, and he was hearing about Christ for the very first time. He was kind of a street kid in New York City. Came to know Christ, came to know the forgiveness of Almighty God. He came to know somebody who loved him more than he had ever known before. In his first adventure inside of a church, kind of like this, when they were singing, and he heard some people praising God, and he was back there just saying, Hot dog for Jesus! Hot dog for Jesus! Hot dog for Jesus. That's the best word he had. And I think that God considered that some of the purest worship he had ever heard. What do you think? It was more than a song, it was a heart expressing itself to God. Oh, we'll use a song, but you can use a song without your heart in it. See, worship is our heart responding. To God. That is really what worship is all about. Think about it for just a moment. I've been asking you this question all along. What are you obsessed with? Matthew 15. Is my microphone still on? Yeah? yeah? Okay. It says, You hypocrites. Jesus is Jesus, on, Jesus talking. It says, Matthew 15 7. He says, You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away. See, they're they're saying the right things, singing the right things, but their heart was somewhere else. They were obsessed about something else. They were singing the right words, but their heart wasn't in it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a what? A farce, a charade a performance. And they can perform well, but their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Hmm. Well, let me see, what was that verse we were reading a while ago? In John 4:23 it says, "But in the time, but the time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for anyone who will worship Him that way, who will worship Him honestly. Psalms 51:6 says, "But you desire honesty from the heart. God desires us to be honest from our heart, to put our heart in our, our songs, you know. There's a song we used to sing, and it went like this, "Lord you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And there's nothing I desire compares with you. If you hang out with God a little bit and get to know him, you'll find that there ain't nothing on this old planet anybody could offer you that's any more important than to get closer to God. Because he satisfies us now and forever. I'm talking about truly satisfies to the core of our being. There's another old song we used to sing and it went like this. Let all earthly distractions fall
1: aside.
0: All other thrones and kingdoms give way. For you are Lord. You are Lord. Hallelujah, Christ is Lord. Would we dare pray a prayer like that, let all earthly distractions fall aside? Oh, no, that earthly, I like that earthly distraction. And God don't mind you enjoying life as long as you don't take your worship that was designed for him alone and put it on that earthly distraction. You know what I'm talking about? You got to have our priorities right. Well, let's see, we're we got to wind up here uh, shortly. And it says in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, And so, dear friends, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. You and I can enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Christ, the blood of Jesus. You and I can enter heaven's most holy place. And this is the new life-giving way. Now, you got to understand, the holy of holies was there at, at the temple, the, the holiest place on the earth during Jesus' day, and before that, you know, they, they had a temple, and they, they had the, the uh, outer court and the inner court, and in the, in, in the inner court, there was a holy of holies, and there was this curtain that was nine foot tall, and only the priest, once a year, if he didn't have no sin in his life, and they, if they weren't sure, they tied a rope to his leg and a bell. Y'all heard this before? And while he's going in to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people, he's jingling the bell, which means he's still alive. And if the bell stops jingling, y'all pull the rope and pull, because you couldn't go in after him or you'd be smitten. This was back before the grace of God was fully released to us all. That was the way the priests were, for, for real. And so the holiest place on earth had this curtain in front of it, it's nine foot tall. And it says here, and that was uh, only one man once a year could go into there. But it says here, let me read this verse again. Hebrews 10, 19, and so, dear friends, we, everybody say we, we We can boldly enter. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. We can now because of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us. We can go to the Father now without any threat of judgment. Verse 20 says, this is the new life-giving way. It's the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us, for, for us all, through the sacred curtain, which was his body. His body was torn. He gave his body as a living sacrifice. He died. And so he he actually died as a sacrifice. And it says here, through the sacred curtain, by means of his death for us all. Hmm. Think about it. The Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, when he died, that the The curtain in the Holy of Holies was torn. Does anybody know how it was torn? Half. From which direction? Nine foot up. It would have taken a big person to tear the curtain from the top to the bottom, showing that when Jesus died, the curtain was torn. No longer could just the priest once a year go into that place and access Almighty God. After Jesus was crucified, you and I have been given access. And, and listen to what the Bible says. Let me see if I can find it here somewhere. Where do I have that? In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and I think this is what happened. God's message was preached in ever-widening circles, and the number of the believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish what does it say? Priest. Priests were converted too. They saw this deal happen when Jesus was crucified. They saw this deal where well, this curtain was ripped, no longer forbidding anyone, but God now welcomes everybody, not just the high priest who met certain criteria, but you and I, because Jesus shed his blood. His body was broken and he shed his blood to wash us clean, this is what he was talking about over there in verse 20, this new life-giving way that Christ opened up for us. You and I now have open access to God, and you can be magnificently obsessed with him, not just a bunch of rules and regulations anymore, you see. Listen to what it says in Matthew 27, 50. It says, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks split. There was significance in all that. You and I have access to Almighty God now. Now, let me just finish this here in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, picking back up in verse 21, it says, and since we have a great high priest, his name's Jesus, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people, let us go right into the presence of God. Let us go. Back then, oh, no, you can't go there. You'll be struck dead. Let us go right into the presence of God. Let him become our magnificent obsession. And it's like, you know what? If going into the presence of God zaps me and takes me to heaven, what a way to go but he has washed us, so we can go into his presence now. Let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts, fully trusting him. A.W. Tozer said we are called to an everlasting preoccupation with God himself, to be preoccupied with God, our magnificent obsession." Oh, how he loves me. He gave his life. What more would he give? You know. Now, I don't know if we've laid a foundation here enough or not for you to grasp a hold of it. But the thing that hinders us is idols in our lives. I was reading about uh, an army that came and invaded India. And uh, the leader of the army came and he, with his conquering forces, and he came into the temple and they were going to confiscate everything of value. And the priest, this was false gods. It was not a godly temple. But they said, please spare this one idol. Please. They begged and they pleaded for this one idol to be spared. But the enemy came in With their swords and their weapons, they beat upon that idol harder than ever, and it broke and outpoured some of the most valuable gems and treasures and diamonds that they had ever seen hidden in the idol. But I'm going to tell you, when you and I choose to give up the idols in our life, you will be enriched far more than any old idol. And we can make anything an idol, can we not? Idol can become relationships or our pursuits or our monies or anything. But let Christ be our magnificent obsession and that we would give up and sacrifice anything for more of him in our life. Well, our time is up right now, but hopefully this gives you something to think about and and go home and spend some time with God and talk to him and sing and, and put your heart in your song you know what i'm saying yep. and sometimes our prayer is more powerful and our song is more powerful don't misunderstand what i'm saying here we need to pray and praise corporately but sometimes it's more powerful when we are alone and you know a living soul can't hear you you know what i'm saying Because that's when it's real, it's pure, it's true. Bow your heads with me if you would. Father, we thank you for loving us the way that you do, providing for us the way that you have, and Lord, even life after this life here. It's awesome. It is amazing what you have promised unto each and every one of us. And Lord, we want to get to know you better. We want to know your promises. And not just your promises, but we want to know you and the power of your resurrection. And I ask right now, Father, the men and women, the boys and girls who are in this room and downstairs in the cafe and in the balcony, and all those who are watching online, that you will tweak our hearts and that you will give us just a little bit more. You said to taste and see that you, the Lord, are good and give us just a little bit more and what our appetites, where we will become magnificently obsessed with getting more of you in our life and living in our life, not just to serve you occasionally or not just to serve you on the weekends, but where it will be all about us serving you every day of our life, knowing that we are an extension of your hand on this planet. Almighty God, reveal yourself to the men and women who hear this right now, reveal your goodness, reveal your grace, reveal your mercy to us, Lord, where there will be our heart in every song that we ever sing to you. Thank you, Father. As our heads are bowed here in this room, or wherever you're at, I would just ask you to reaffirm your faith in a wonderful Savior who is worth it all. Whatever it takes and whatever it costs to pursue him is worth it all. And I'd like us to reaffirm our faith in him together before we leave. And maybe there are some here tonight who don't know Christ in a personal way or some who are listening online. But now I would ask you to join us as we pray and, and declare your faith in him today, maybe for the very first time, or reaffirm your faith as we pray together. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I believe that you love, I believe you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he paid for all my sins. And I'm set free. I am forgiven. And I receive it, Almighty God. Thank you for what you've done. I declare that Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord and my King. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.